Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here with your last episode of the year to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. We're not going to be back next week. We're taking a little holiday. Can you even believe it? I can't. Anyway, we have a ton to talk about this week. Um, Buckley wrote a story on Surfline about everything that's going on in their world because they're one of the biggest companies in surfing. They've had a lot of changes lately, so we're going to break those down. We also on the site right now have a new Palm Springs pool edit. It is an excerpt from a film that's coming out soon. It's called Zipper. It's starring Chippa Wilson and a lot of your other favorite surfers as well. This is basically a deleted scene, so premium members are going to get to see that first and the film will drop later next year we also have a cheat codes with steph gilmore this is one of our favorite properties that we haven't been able to put one out in a long time we've done them in the past with mick and john on different topics this one with steph is going to be about getting waves in a crowded lineup and it is not to be missed we also have a paul evans story about somebody that you you just need to meet and you're going to meet him soon well kind of we're going to talk about him i don't think you can actually meet this guy he's kind of in the wind and last but not least we're going to talk about the swell that everybody seems to be talking about in new jersey of all places, Buck and Maya's homeland. So that's pretty much it. Uh, that's what's going on this week, and let's drop in. Hello, world. Hello, Mikey. Hello, shirtless Mikey in a car. What kind of what make and model is that? Year, even if you would? We're in a Toyota Fortuner, year unknown. Um, yeah, apparently, you know... Ford, Ford Tuner? I know. that. So everyone that's an American is like, what's a Fortuner? Is that just what they have down in Mexico? And it's, well, maybe, but they have it in the rest of the world too. Australia has them as well. It's like a Forerunner, but it's um, Tuner. a little bit more foreign. Yeah. Huh. We don't have them over here. I'm foreign. Well. I don't have a Tuner. <laughs> you don't see many Toyotas over here. They don't really mess with Europe. You see some. The Japanese and Europeans, they've never really gotten along. Mm, yeah, well, they're, you know, 40s, not too far off. Germany. Yeah, just Germany. There's a lot in Germany. <laughs> yeah, they, they got them there. <laughs> anyway, but they have the Volkswagen there. They're fine. Anyway, you're looking hot. Um, I mean that aesthetically and not in terms of uh, you're, you're sweating um, in your Fortuner. Um, why don't they just call it the four? Why didn't they keep it consistent? I'm, I'm yeah. hung up. We're already hung up on, on Toyota branding here. Oh, you hung up on the lip like Brendan Ty? Oh, we're going to get there. That's the fifth topic. We've got a big Jersey episode, actually. Uh, a lot of Jersey <laughs> in all of its forms featuring this week. And some news, some cheat codes, some pools, some Icelands. It's kind of a wild week. Let's get into it. Let's go. What is going on at Surfline? I wrote this one, Mikey. That's why we're leading with it because, uh, I don't know, it's important, right? Surfing is important. Surf forecasting outlets are important. Surf, working, surf forecasting outlets that uh, have existed since 1985 and were originally a thing that you can call and just dial 978 surf. That is 7873 for anybody who wants to steal pretty much any pin code that has ever been asked of me again repeat 7873 uh, if you want to break into anything <laughs> where i'm prompted to give four numbers in a sequence 7873 and so uh bold what what do you go do you go for something different no no i'm just saying just telling however many people listen to this podcast about that uh, you're giving a lot of faith to all 13 listeners yeah no well no like twenty thousand. some days <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's how you get it uh my life that is how surfine started in 1985 it was a phone number that you can call and get real-time surf reports for waves in california so essentially people wanting to know how the waves are that aren't really near the waves at the time decide whether or not it's worth driving to the beach so that's how surfine started sean collins bam grew and grew and grew in 1995 they went digital they started doing cams and forecasting because, again, it started just like, a, hey, let's we'll tell you how the waves are because that was a very hard question to answer for a long time. They became, and I think to this day, are still the best people answering that question. Um, they bought some other competitors in the surf forecasting space, Magic Seaweed and Coastal Watch. And the most interesting thing, which is kind of what this story focuses on, regardless of calling New Zealand weather offices, is... In 2020, a, the churning group, an investment group, put $30 million into them. Um, and that is really interesting. That is a good chunk of money. Uh, as much as 
I think Surfon's an interesting case because surfers use it. Like I check Surfline multiple times a day. I probably check it. I don't even want to think about the math, but probably 20 between looking at the surf forecast and not remembering it. And so checking it again, eight hours later or four hours later, to see if it's changed to seeing what the tide is. Cause I forgot that to looking at the cams throughout the day. Like we live with this. Thing. Yeah. You were watching New Jersey this week. I'd imagine. I was watching it, but I was watching on non-surfline cam. I will say that. Oh, he's got the sneaky there cam. There was one that had a little, it had a little, yeah, had a little sneaky cam action. Um, but basically it is still niche in the grand scheme of things, right? Mikey, like there's not that many people who really want to know what surf conditions are doing, but this group that invests in media and then they also own a lacrosse league. They pretty much their corporate spiel on their website on the, the turning group is they invest in things that are nice (laughs) that talk to a lot of people is my understanding of it. So they got in on Surfline in 2020 when they did that, they brought in a new CEO, Kyle Lachlan, um, he's now gone. So it's been about three years and Kyle had a non-surf background. He tried to pursue growth in different areas for the business. I mean, for surfline is a utility for most of us. Like I said, we just, we check the cams, we check the forecast. He tried to create some new products for them. I mean, they have a fucking massive audience. We can get into that. Did he come from the Oprah Winfrey network by chance? You know, maybe intern there, but his most recents were Disney and Amazon. So Kyle came and went. Um, this is kind of the, the focus of the story. I know we've been talking history. I know we've been talking the utility of Surfline, a little bit of opinion in the mix, but the crux of the story is, not even the crux, the focus of it is the the time under Kyle's reign, basically under this $30 million investment. And that wasn't just, Hey, here's 30 million, go spend it how you want. Some of the stakeholders got paid out with that money. And then they still have money to chase growth. Some interesting things that went down was that they, I mean, because so many of us are checking cams and forecasts all the time, obviously great opportunity for ad revenue. They started trying to step away from that. Like one report we heard was that, Vans was a longtime sponsor of one of those channels. They pretty much told Vans, hey, no, we don't want your money anymore. And so that's an interesting, bold decision, Cotton. And so they, I think the idea was that they would introduce these new things that would, one, attract more subscribers, create, like enhance the value of being a Surfline member, and two, create some new revenue streams. And uh didn't seem to be working. And so they said, see you later, Kyle. Dang. See you, Kyle. Yeah. Go drink a monster. Yeah, but now we got Ross. True. Now we got Ross. True. Who's Ross? Ross Garrett. Ross Garrett is a surf industry veteran. He's actually somebody that Stab picked as somebody who could replace a certain gentleman from the Oprah Winfrey Network that recently was fired <laughs> from the WSL CEO role. Um, but no, but for real, we did that fantasy draft where he said, hey, WSL, you need a CEO. Here's who we think it could be. We listed Ross in that. He had been a publisher at Surfing Magazine and Surfer's Journal. He is an early investor and founding board member at Rourke. He's pretty much a guy that is good at uh, business and surfing. And um, I guess some of the feedback... Was, is he good at surfing? He won an NCAA's board riders competition. He's rips then. In maybe the over 40s thing, yeah. He beat Chris Cote. Or, no, I think I saw a comment where Chris Cote was like, I had to leave to do something. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would have got you. <laughs> Sounds like something Chris would say. So I don't know. We'll bring it up with Chris to see if he would have got him. But uh, anyway, that's where we're at now. Long story short... There's this surf forecasting utility that exists worldwide now. I mean, they've got over 900 cams. They've got, I don't want to say tens of thousands of forecasting locations. Like, I put a screenshot in this story of just the the Baltic Sea. Like, you could just see Finland and Latvia, where they have, like, 100 spots listed where you can see the, the surf forecast for that zone. It's fucking ridiculous. They've also got Taylor Paul now. And they've got fucking Taylor Paul, who listens to this program, Taylor, we love you. But um, to be honest, I have been a Surfline member since I convinced my dad to subscribe to it like 10 years ago. Uh, I still use this account. We've announced this on this program many times. Um, send a surf in. I'll give you the code. 
<laughs> wow, it's a two for one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a two for one. But, and I was aware of this investment. I was aware of Kyle. I was aware of these things, but it wasn't, uh, and I was aware of like Ross's new hiring, but I didn't really know about what was going on behind the scenes. Even like, like they brought in great people. They, by all accounts, they really were doing, they hired a bunch of great people. They're doing great things, but maybe they didn't really commit to these products that they were building, like the, the travel platform, the gear platform. Um, but it costs money to do that. And when you spend money to build something, you don't commit to it. That's a problem. Maybe the investors saw that. And so they brought in Ross who also has been with Surfline for a while. I know I mentioned his background with publishing and with Rourke. Um, he was the president of Surfline leading up to this investment. So he knows how that business works. So I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, Surfline is going to get better at things. I mean, it's, Fucking look at the weather app. It's wrong all the time. So is surf forecasting. I, we look at cams sometimes. You know what's happening there, but you look at the forecast. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. Same with the fucking weather. We don't know what the atmosphere is going to do. The planet is getting hot as fuck, they say. There's people throwing soup at museums. Like, the fuck's happening, Mikey? What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> Surfline's going to get better. <laughs> Well, you know how we can uh, resolve this forecasting issue? We can go to a wave pool. Let's go to a pool. Let's go. Easier there. Watch. Deleted zipper scene from the Palm Springs Surf Club. Whoa, this is some straight iCloud hacking right here. It's a deleted scene? Yeah, it's true. Got deleted? It's an off cut. Do you have to... Did somebody forget to hit clear their trash on the MacBook? What happened? <laughs> we just had so much other good stuff going on. So I guess, first of all, we should break down what Zipper is, right? Because it was on the site this week. Zipper is a new film that we are making with Monster. It is, it's a film about a lot of monster surfers, but it has Chippa Wilson as the centerpiece. And Chippa is sort of like the glue that combines all these amazing sections with all these amazing people and all these amazing places we learn a lot about him we learn a lot about them but mostly we just watch some incredible surfing uh we talked about the trip we did with felipe earlier this year uh that was great i was on that one we've done since a few more trips we did one to the philippines etc and so forth uh the surfers included are bobby martinez Eitan osborne Tara Watanabe, uh, Felipe, as I said, Chip is the centerpiece, and there's going to be one more section that we've yet to film, and we'll finalize those surfers soon. So anyway, we went to the Palm Springs Surf Club, which we chatted and heard from uh, Shane Magnuson last week about that. By the way, they sold out their entire January calendar in like two days, so well done to them on that. Uh, we went there with Chippa, Taro, Eitan, and Bobby, and we filmed this section, and it's beautiful, but there's just so much going on in this film already that we just thought, you know what, let's put this out in the world as like a little teaser, a little taster. So you can watch the trailer for the full film on the site right now, but you can also watch this. I think it's like a five minute chunk of the film that we cut out and we're getting it live just for our premium subscribers. So they're going to get to get a glimpse of what this film is going to look like. And the full thing's going to be dropping in March. Remember the, my thoughts on it last week? You said it looked very fun. Taro. Taro. That's right. You did bring up Taro. Taro. Taro, Taro. Just want to revisit it. Taro. <laughs> Do you want to uh, expand on that or just Taro? No, I really think that, I think I mentioned it last week, but his surfing in a wave pool to me, I didn't, you see somebody in the ocean that's so more, so much more spontaneous and raw and you're like, ah, oh, maybe in a wave pool this person wouldn't look so interesting because it's so controlled. Uh, no, he's still so fun to watch surfing in a wave pool. And that wave pool looks like the funnest thing in the world. I really think that it'll change the experience out there. I may have also said this last week, but I was there like a month ago, and my trip would have been way different. Yeah, so Joshua Tree, I would have, I would have doing taking psychedelics. I was, yeah, <laughs> and not little bits, lots. You got to do lots. Everybody's doing the little bits now. It's silly. It's not the point. Anyway, so yeah, this is great. Zippa is looking great. I mean, when you look at that... Zippa. <laughs> Zippa. Yeah, that should be the new name, actually. <laughs> Zipper. No, <Nah>, Zippa. <laughs> call that. Can we call it that now? Nope. <laughs> it was actually... 
that it was an internal discussion. Uh, I think Maddie Baker brought it up. It was vetoed. God damn it. Well, Baker, I stand with you, all right? Anyway, zipper. Zipper. When you look at a lineup like that, it's going to be a sick film. Um, we've actually been talking. Mike, you thought I just randomly went rogue on you and got deep this morning about some thoughts on the state of surf movies. <laughs> we have a bit of a reflection perhaps coming on uh, I did. the how meaningful a surf movie can be in this day and age. So, I don't know. This one's going to be sick. This one's going to be really cool. I think Chippa deserves it. I think he's been surfing at such a high level for so long. I feel like some people have two, three, maybe four-year spans where they're doing some of the craziest shit he's really had over a decade. I mean, he's come from, like, custom airstrike days where it was like, who is this person doing airs that nobody else can? He's doing big spins. Is that even allowed should we allow that should we zoltan him and just say like no you're a magician like you're not allowed here (laughs) i will say too like to your point like on that trip in nicaragua with him and felipe the reigning two-time world champion chippa won multiple sessions like hands down won multiple sessions out there in playful surf against the best performance surfer in the world so his technical ability on a surfboard is like right up there with the best of the best. And yeah, as far as this pool edit goes itself, you've definitely seen stuff from the pool. Now a lot of people have dropped like YouTube edits and stuff and they're great, but I can promise you that you haven't seen anything like this from like a tasteful art perspective. Blake Michelle uh, filmed and edited it. He's our in one of our in-house guys and he's just, he's really, really good at piecing together like beautiful surf Fantasia. Yeah. Blake, Michel, classic Frenchman. Anyway, go watch it. Um, I guess it is a bit of a microdose. It's a deleted scene, so get there and uh, enjoy the desert. Cheat codes with Stephanie Gilmore. Oh, wow. Great with an eight. She is great with an eight, Mikey. (laughs) I want to be the first to say this to Stephanie and to the world. Stephanie, you are the greatest, and we will spill great with eight. Great with eight. I recently had a conversation where uh, when you graduated high school, was your graduating class given like a slogan? Uh, No, not to my knowledge. Though neither was mine, but apparently that's a thing in some places. And uh, my father-in-law, his he graduated in eight year i don't know one exactly i forget uh so did i and they said great and i was like oh it's just irresistible i mean this was decades ago and so eric logan fell for that same trap just wanting to rhyme an eight with the great anyway she was wearing an eight hat in this well it was turned sideways for an infinity sign which is cool but how amazing would it have been if she just like leaned into it and made a hat that said great with an eight and just wore it everywhere (laughs) (laughs) I would buy that hat. Me too. I would buy that hat. That would be that would be the hat that I go to. Oh fuck, we should do that. Great with an eight. Anyway, Femgoat, the eight time world champion, Stephanie Gilmore has some cheat codes for you. Focused on how to get waves in a crowded lineup. Mm. Mikey, what stuck out to you here? Any any tips that you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna try that next time? The idea that you play to your strengths as like I think what she meant by that was like basically based off your character, right? So Gabriel Medina is able to go out and basically be what in most situations people would call like a menace. Like he just goes out and gets a wave in every set, blah, blah, blah. He's like always deeper than everyone, you know, getting whatever wave he wants. But because he's Gabriel Medina, nobody gets like that mad at him. It's like, oh, he's just like a beast. He's the Terminator. You know what I mean? He's the three-time world champ. He's Brazilian, doesn't give a fuck. Like he's just doing his thing. Um, whereas somebody that's a little bit like nicer and more easygoing, if they did that, people would be like, what the fuck does this guy do? Like, who does he think he is? Um, meanwhile, you have someone like Ethan Ewing, who is more like quiet. Didn't work with Kyle. <laughs> Super new That's true. Or at Pipe. Well, I guess it did work at Pipe, actually. Um, uh, anyway, Ethan Ewing, the other example she gave is he's a little bit more mellow, right? Like he is not somebody who's trying to sort of be... 
I don't know, aggressive. He's just kind of trying to do his own thing and surf waves beautifully as he does. But he still manages to get a ton of waves because he's on the inside just picking off the insiders because that's where he just wants to get reps on the wave. So it's it's about kind of figuring out what sort of personality you are and figuring out the best way to lean into that in a crowded lineup, I think. And then also it comes down to things like where you're from. She mentions a lot of locals, you know, at a place like Snapper Rocks and stuff like that, that they have their own thing figured out because they sit in a certain place in a hierarchy. So it's all about sort of where you stand in each lineup that you're paddling out to and recognizing that and having the wherewithal to like understand your positioning and how to make the most of it. I think when you show up, like even her advice to just watch from the beach for a bit, that is a horrifically hard thing for me to do. I, when I am at the beach and I have a wetsuit on, which I always have to do here, and I have a surfboard with me and there's waves, I struggle to stand on that sand for more than like however long it takes me to put my leash on, which is pretty quick, three seconds. Um, and so I think there's like a theme of her hints to me about just like taking almost an agnostic view on things, just being like, Hey, let me read this situation rather than just get emotionally involved immediately. Just let like my excitement and my at in a crowd, sometimes anger for somebody else. Like let just, just try to maintain a level head and almost like a outside perspective and be like, okay, if you want a good wave, maybe sit here, maybe do this. Like just really remove yourself from it and, and, uh, think, okay, what is my best chance of getting best, the best wave right now? I'll do that, which I think is such a hard thing to do. It's an easy thing to say. It's a very difficult thing to do because we get out there, we see a firing wave, we're excited, we want to sit there, somebody gets kind of in our way, somebody is staunching us. Like It's, it's a mental game out there. And fuck, <laughs> that's coming from here. I can only imagine coming from where she lives, even the BMS thing. She's like, uh, the most crowded waves in the world are... Has a little joke. I'll save it for the edit. Go get there and get her a little sense of humor. I'm not going to spoil her joke on this program. Um, but she does, you know, have some thoughts on the Gold Coast, let's say. But great watch. Great with an eight. Watch. Yeah, and I mean, if you... Everyone's going to get something out of this. Everybody that watches this is going to... Whether they... Whether it's something that they kind of knew subconsciously or not, she'll say it and it sort of like clicks into your mind and it's like, oh, yeah, like and it, it really catalyzes like the thoughts that were probably spinning around somewhere in your head but it's like oh yeah that's that's how you actually have to go about that so it's really good one thing that you actually brought up on this podcast once which I don't think made it into hers but it was one of the the better tips that I didn't really I guess I hadn't actively thought about it but I think I like did it sort of naturally but when you said it I was like oh yeah is Especially this works well at a beach break, not so much at a point break where Steph is surfing, sometimes at a reef break, depends what it's like. But if you get a good wave, you can't paddle straight back out to like that pack that you were sitting with, like, or even like that portion of the lineup. Because each lineup has like different parts, right? Unless it's a wave with just one specific takeoff, you're kind of fucked there. But if it has any sort of like an inside and outside or a deep and a wide, blah, 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 if you get a wave, no matter which part of that wave you take off on and get a wave you get a wave especially if it's a good one that people are going to notice like oh he got that one you need to paddle out to a different part of that lineup where hopefully people didn't necessarily like see who you were that you got it or whatever or at the very least it's not like oh he just got a wave on the peak and now he's paddling straight back to the peak like you're going somewhere different and it's kind of like you reset every single time you go to a different part of that lineup and you're no longer the guy that got the bomb you're just another guy that paddled out and therefore you're theoretically in rotation for another good wave soon oh you bob and weave bob and weave <laughs> So that's another little hot tip. But Steph's got Steph's got the juice. Go give Cheat Codes a watch. It's sponsored by Yeti. And, uh, yeah, it's the third one we've done this far. And I can tell you right now that we filmed another one in Hawaii with Mark Healy about surviving uncomfortable situations, uh, which I was there for that interview. And there's some fucking great stuff in there. So that's going to be coming early 2024. <laughs> Meet the world's most barreled man, parentheses, who hasn't slept in a bed in over a decade. <laughs> um, who do you think he beat out on that list? Oof, man. 
a guy from Germany who who had three days in no maybe he had four days at Les Essignols in southwest France in 2019 in September where he kind of got a head dip on four <laughs> waves in a row. That's that's my best well guess. Well done, Mikey. Batty. You've done it. That's my that's my best guess. Um, wow. Also, I don't know if this is your title or Paul's, but you're not going to meet this guy. You're not going to meet him. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert to the people. You can meet him through this story, but in person, I think it's very unlikely that any of you will meet this guy. If you do, that's great. I'm very happy for you. His name is Ian Batrick, um, and holy shit, he is an interesting character. Paul is about to come on here, Paul Evans, of course, and tell us about Ian, but oh my god, this is this is one of my favorite things I read in a while. Um should we hear from Paul and then we'll get into the rest of it? Yeah, sure, let's do it. Hi, Stab Pod fans. Evans here, wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. Um, I'm in the north of England at the in laws, and I just had fish and chips uh, without the fish, obviously, but with mushy peas. And the woman serving called me Duck and Love and uh, Darling, which was really, really nice. Um, I wrote a story up on the site about Ian Steamy Patrick. Batty is from Jersey in the Channel Islands, which are these little islands near the coast of France, but sort of part of the UK, kind of. Anyway, um, he's a, a mad, quite a mad person, and I love him. So I've wrote a story about him. He spends a lot of time in Iceland. As a general rule, I fucking hate stories about people going surfing in Iceland, but I make a, a special exception for Patrick because he lives in a car and... I mean, fuck knows what he gets up to up there, but um, it sounds like a lot of fun. He's um, he's a real pure, a pure sort of character. Just loves getting tubed. I think he's, I think he might have been more tubed in, in like a, a hooded wetsuit with gloves on, than anyone in the world ever. Um, but definitely he's been more tubed than anyone having slept the night in a car. I think he spent four years sleeping in cars up there. The, um, the madman. Before I met um, Ian, I saw him nude because I saw a photo of him surfing nude. I think it was on New Year's Day in Jersey, where the water's probably about about nine degrees, pretty cold. Um, I think it was on a newspaper in Australia. I was I was in Australia, I think, and they do those photos from around the world. And um, I saw his I saw his bum um, nude. He surfs nude quite a lot, actually. Uh, on that particular occasion, I think he started a streaking frenzy. He did it for a bet. Um, someone took a photo of it. They put it in the local paper. And then everyone on the island started streaking. And apparently, there was a football match on, a soccer match. And someone who was caught up in the, in, the nude, in the nude thing, someone ran on nude on the pitch and got kind of tackled. Um, and then arrested and went to court and got fined. And he was a fireman and apparently got sacked. So he lost his job. So Ian Batrick... Um, total legend, he'll sleep in cars, surf freezing cold barrels on his own in the middle of nowhere, and he'll also get first responders, heroes, sacked uh, by his infectious nudity. Happy Christmas! Ah, great note from Paul. God, the people calling him names. I don't even remember the names now. Bubby? Bubby? Bob? I don't know. Uh, that poor firefighter. We could leak the address it, it, when he sent the voice note. It came through at the address. I think it was a seven pointy lane or something. Anyway, get to Paul's parents, Paul's in laws' house. Mikey, what stuck out to you about this story? We get pitches fairly often about like, oh, I want to write a profile on so and so sea grade surfer, and we're like, I don't know. I don't think anybody wants to read about that person. Like, I just don't think that what they're doing is that interesting to our audience. And I feel bad. Like, I'm sure these people are great and the writers are all excited about it. But when Paul pitches something, I just, I, I don't really need to question it that much because I just know if he wants to talk about it, then there's something absolutely fascinating about it. And when he told me about this guy from England who goes and surfs waves in Iceland, my instinct was that sounds fucking awful to <laughs> basically what Paul was saying about surfing in Iceland. This is fucking unbelievable. I was like reading this with 
my jaw agape at what this guy does and what his life is like. There is nothing I think I hate more in surfing right now than people who go to Iceland. So you make a choice to go to Iceland and then you have all the gear. You have everything you need to survive in Iceland. Everything is mapped out. And then like you have a $600 wetsuit. You have all this shit and you go surf and then you make a movie about how difficult it is. It's like, it's almost like surfing big waves, like choosing, like don't do it. If you want to talk about how dangerous it is, like if that's a big thing for you, (laughs) then shut the fuck up. Like, like, it annoys me more with Iceland, and we're going to get to this because there's another Ian Patrick Jersey guy, different Jersey, <laughs> but we're going to get to Jersey in this last piece. Uh, the water in Jersey gets as cold, in New Jersey, gets as cold as it does in Iceland, and obviously Iceland gets colder temps, but um, it's always just infuriated me when people make a decision. Nobody asks you to do this. You just decide to do, you literally said hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go here and then make a movie about how hard it is or i'm gonna surf big waves and tell everybody how dangerous it is like shut the fuck up just do it if you enjoy it and talk about that and ian to me is the epitome of that he just talks about iceland like oh yeah i could just go up there and get some waves alone like that is exactly why you should go to iceland and if you go there to make a movie about how hard it is go fuck yourself i'm mad at you yeah and he didn't even want to like talk to Paul about this probably didn't say no, I mean, no first of all he doesn't have a phone so it's like impossible to get hold of him <laughs> this guy doesn't have a cell phone he had no idea Paul like threw a question at him about like mo- like like um the Instagram version of van life just like curated blankets and shit and he's just like I'm not really sure what you're talking about but like I, I still get waves alone <laughs> he seemed confused I don't think we even have we addressed this what that the so the title has a reference to him not sleeping in a bed for ten years. So he he lives in a van everywhere, right? Like when he's in Iceland, he travels to Iceland for a few months every year. But even when he's home, he refuses to go inside at night because he has this line where he says, "I like being outside. It's way better for you. More things happen." <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the the simplest but truest axiom that I've ever heard. Like, yeah, fucking more shit happens when you're outside. When you're inside, pretty much nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think this guy lives a life where he wants to do things that are happening. And I and I fucking love that for him. That being said, I don't know how you sustain this sort of lifestyle for that long. Like the ima- the amount of surf passion and stoke that he must have like i truly cannot even fathom because i i'm a pretty fucking frothy surfer like everybody thinks i'm kind of a lunatic in in terms of how much like i like to surf and how much i think about surfing and even you know outside of work and everything but like this guy's just on such a different level he goes to the end of the earth he doesn't have a phone he lives in a van and he goes and surfs these waves with nobody around super dangerous freezing cold uh into the dark like there's this one story about he's just surfing this terrifying wave into the dark he had to like trek back uh almost got frostbite blah, blah blah it's just it's it's a lot to do for decades well one more my favorite quote in here is a week camping at HTs would cost me about 30 bucks which became my whole approach to spending or not spending you can easily be getting 10 tubes per sesh three times a day so if something costs 30 bucks or more i'd always ask myself is it worth it is it better than 100 tubes it never it is, so I don't buy it. <laughs> uh, this guy's tube per dollar ratio is incredible. He's a fucking incredible. He's the coolest person in the world. I'm so happy that this exists. Go read it. Um, I hope we did some justice here. Paul's note was great. Uh, but that said, there's nothing that Paul loves more. Well, Ocean Beach. San Francisco and New Jersey tubes. He loved them. So let's talk about those for him. Watch. Am I actually going to ride a 7.0 in New Jersey? Uh, not a big deal, this this title for me. I did ride a 7.0. I think we discussed it on this program. Uh, a 7.0 that I acquired with you, Mikey, in Hawaii. Two boards for $75. I tried to offer the guy 
uh, 100 for both? And he was like, no, I'm selling both for 75 total. And I went, well, I'll take it. <laughs> um, you broke yours at Pipe or Sunset? Sunset. Sunset. Uh, mine's still alive. It's with my parents in New Jersey. I wrote it last time I was there in September, knee-high waves. So um, I already have answered this question, and yes, and it was brilliant. But it does turn out that New Jersey got a swell of the something decade decade can we go decade no it is truly actually statistically speaking of the 21st century the biggest swell okay that's how do you know that because surfline went back and looked at the buoy readings for the past however many years and not since 1992 have there been bigger buoy readings oh shit i was doing that with nazareth trying to peg them make sure my math was right <laughs> Steal my ideas over here, sir. Ben, I'm on you. You hear me, Ben? Anyway, that's coming for Nazare. But, uh, because I want to know if the 100 foot wave is even possible. Anyway, so that is the biggest buoy reading since 92, you said? That's right. The year before I was born. Wow. Okay. So the buoys were donging. New Jersey got big. Um, I think the. There's not many facts to get through here other than that a place with I don't, I don't even know how you frame New Jersey to people anymore. Like I feel like you probably went through this too, Mikey. We both grew up there early on in my life when I would travel to surf I'd meet people and they'd be like, Oh, New Jersey does not have an ocean and you'd be like, Yep, yep, it does and we actually get some waves. And then something happened where every time we got waves it started to get covered. Like I know if you go back, you could pick up a surfer magazine, surfing magazine, anything you want from like the seventies. It'll be like East coast goes off and it'll show the waves. But for some reason in our lives, people didn't realize it. And now I feel like it's almost overcompensating. Like, yeah, it gets good. And yeah, these waves seem really, really fucking good. And it was apparently the biggest since 92, but Paul has brought this thing up with me where he's like, this, like, I get it. Like, every now and then it gets big and there's barrels and it's cold. Like, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know? Like, I guess it's the same with every wave, though. It's like if Mavericks goes off, it's like, yep, Mavericks was big and guys on fucking Ninos, one of them was 59 and he still got the bomb of the day. And, like, I, is that not the same with everywhere? But. I get why people with New Jersey sometimes would be like, fuck, I get it. Like, it gets cold, and you guys have to wear the hoods and the gloves, and you get barreled, and you don't, like... It's funny to me how every wave really is judged relative to itself and its, like, surroundings, because Rob Kelly, who we talked to for this thing, he compared it to Puerto Escondido. And if Puerto was like this on any given day, there would not be one story about it, let alone 15 stories on 10 different surf sites, you know what I mean? And it's like blowing up Instagram, especially when you think about the fact that not many waves were actually made. It was pretty much closing out. It was pretty much like impossible to actually make ones like the most viral clips so far have been wipeouts. There's one really good one of um, Robbie Goodwin that we posted on our Instagram last night. But yeah, it is interesting that like if this was at a different wave in the world like this day wouldn't even be like noteworthy in any way you know like even a lot of the waves in europe like all those reef breaks and stuff they're way better waves than what they got in new jersey this day but it, we're judging it based on that like new jersey scale where nobody's ever seen it this big like i was watching those cams and i was like this cannot be real like it yeah it just i've never seen it like that in my life so it was it was noteworthy and spectacular in that sense but on like a global wave quality scale it was actually okay you know what i mean just just because it was so hard to make yeah yeah well i guess we got in on that same little uh action with that k-way leo trip we did that youtube edit that was like you know true it's like whoa <laughs> there's waves in mainland italy that are that tall and nobody's really making anything crazy but like it's big <laughs> well somebody left a really good comment i don't know if it was on instagram or the site but it was like it was in reference to all the wipeouts and it was like this is what happens when you live in new jersey and surf three times a year and then this swell comes and you have to charge this and it is true like when you live in new jersey especially in the winter you don't surf a lot and it's not just because it's cold it's like the way that the systems work there it kind of like 
is just flat until it's not until it's like pumping like it'll blow straight offshore for like two weeks straight the ocean will look like an actual lake and until that wind changes and like a storm stirs up some swell like you're just you can you can go weeks without surfing and then you get confronted with like I don't even want to put a size on these, but let's just say like even not this swell, but just like a normal swell, like four to six foot square tubes. You know what I mean? And like you go from zero to a fucking hundred and, and you're in all this rubber. Like it's, it's pretty hard to be prepared for something like that. I mean, Rob even said he, he had a six, four that he paddled out on. He blew it to bits on that closeout. And then he was between a seven Oh, which seemed insane to paddle out on unless you're Buckley, uh, or a six, two. And yeah, it's just, mm, nobody was mm. ready for that. I don't think one more point I want to call out here is that I have a friend from France actually, who's visiting California right now. And I was just like, dude, you're on the wrong coast. Like I just sent him like a, like a, I think even a cam when it was on and maybe an Instagram post when it was happening uh just being like hey you're in california and you're getting like i think i took a screenshot of shout out surfline story number one of it just saying southern california or i think he's in i think he's in orange county so just that and it's just like two to three foot forever and i was like but look at jersey right now and um he just wrote back to me like hey you know what man like i would rather just surf like two to three foot fun waves then like go in the cold and deal with that so like yeah i'm fucking pretty happy <laughs> so shout out to him for being honest i think it is <laughs> like, like he's like no thanks like that just looks it's brown it looks hard i am just happy to like get a few waves do a few turns and then just like go hang out like yeah no cool i, I get it <laughs> so anyway Shout out to all the boys who fucking sent it. Um, shout out to Brendan Ty, who got absolutely smoked jumping off the top of that wave. And yeah, uh, an interesting moment in, like, it was, I would say, the, the thing that was most prominent in the surf world this week, wouldn't you say? Dude, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah, just a bunch of people not making waves, basically. So shout out, New Jersey. Buck and I love you. Shout out to Brendan. <laughs> we love you. We love you. Love you, Brendan. Way to swing on that thing. Sorry about your lower back, man. All right, Mikey, what else we got? We have a brand new, ooh, we are a Challenger Series podcast. Everybody knows this. And we have a brand new Challenger Series schedule. Big news, everybody. Get ready for it. It's, it's nothing changed. Uh, it didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. It's the same. Um, so the Challenger Series is back. It's the same as last year. You already know the locations. Same as last year. You've got two in Australia, Gold Coast opener to make everybody think, like, yo, it's so good. It's, like, the best waves ever. And then they go to Sydney, I think. Bolito, Huntington Beach, Portugal and Brazil. So a little refresh, a little refresh, but hey, the best surfers, the surfers that belong on tour are making tour. I don't think anybody questioned that. So um, as much as we'd hope for differences or at least something new, it's working. You can't say it's not working. So that's going on. There is an update on the Tahiti situation about um, destroying one of the best reefs in surfing. Mikey, I think you've been yeah. more... Me and the French Polynesian government have been fighting hard to turn Chopo into a sandbar. Yeah. And um, we're winning right now, despite the ISA's best efforts to shut us down. But we are going full steam ahead with that tower. So, uh, yeah, we'll be surfing um, Chopo left, which by all accounts should look something like Huntington Beach by next July. Ah, oh, it's going to be so good. So good. Huntington Beach is not a bad location for the LA Olympics. Just saying, IOC. Just saying, keep it consistent. All right, and some heavier heart news. This week we lost Lion Heron and Ricky Gath. Ricky Gath invented the Gath helmet. He gave it a sweet name. I mean, I don't know where we stand on religion on this podcast. We don't really do align with one. Nobody needs to align with one, in my opinion. But 
being named Ricky Gath and making the Gath helmet a helmet made for surfing, like his Gath is, if you're gonna make a surf helmet, I would call it Gath regardless of my last name. And so the fact that a man named Ricky Gath made it, it just shows maybe that there is some sort of divine force at work here. So he passed away this week. He saved so many. Let's just say he saved lives in surfing by doing that. That was an idea that people were, I don't know, a little bit reluctant to pick up, but people are picking it up now. He was at the forefront of it. And uh, Ricky, bless you. Thank you. Lion, Mikey, you spent more time with him than I have. I Would you like to share some words? Tell the people who he was. And I had I had one brief, albeit very meaningful and memorable, encounter with Lion. And that's so he was a, a surfer from LA, but he also did photography. He did, you know, stuff in surfing, but he also did high end fashion photography. And he was the guy who we hired to come along with Morgan and myself to Lemoore that time that we crashed the uh the WSL's wave pool party, the the event that wasn't broadcast, that was supposed to be a private secret event. And we went there and we did the whole cherry picker thing. OG fans will know what I'm talking about. It still exists on the internet somewhere. But anyway, Lion was the photographer who we brought along with us. And um, he was just a really, really cool fucking dude. Like, um, I don't know, like he he was cool in the sense, like in the in the traditional sense of like, I don't know, he's like covered with tattoos and good looking and just seemed like a dude that people would want to be friends with, but also was just so like endearing and down to earth like definitely not like a cool guy if that makes sense like he was he was fucking cool with everyone um he made friends with everyone he was really really fun always down for an adventure like just he was so excited to come along on that thing and sort of be part of our our little mini siege of the capital so to speak uh and yeah I just loved working with him and when I was there I found out some of the stuff that he was dealing with. He, um, he'd gotten cancer when he was younger. He was going through this other, uh, issue called Desmoid something. Um, it's in, it's in the story. Ashton wrote a really nice obituary for him, but yeah, he'd been fighting all these really, really difficult things for years and years and years. And, you know, he would have improvements and he would come back and he'd be looking really good and then it would get worse again. And, you know, you can follow his Instagram. He did a great job of sort of chronicling his whole entire journey and he was just so open and forthcoming. And as a result, he had so many people that just cared so much for him and about him. And um, yeah, his last his last post was when he decided that he was going to go into hospice. And I mean, the, the sheer number of people that commented on that and kind of like shared their last thoughts and experiences with him. And also just like the caliber of people as well, like people from all walks of life, like famous celebrities to just like the most average surfer Joe guy you know he just he touched a lot of people so uh, it was really really sad to see him go but also he'd been fighting so hard for so long that I bet that you know it's it's nice to know that he doesn't have to fight anymore Um, whatever comes next whatever you believe in I don't know but yeah it's just it's it's nice that he can finally relax Mm, mm. even the words that he was sharing leading up to that like just seeing from Instagram uh, they were really touching. Like they were powerful. He had written that he had been told that he wasn't going to make it through the night more times than he could count. So he was very familiar with the idea of death. He was very familiar with the idea that he might die. And so he really seemed that piece of that and just seemed like a really beautiful person. So, uh, rest in peace, lion, rest in peace. Richie Gath, and um, on that note, cancer is unfortunate, but it also is very common. Um, I read something saying that up to 40% of people will encounter it in some form at some stage in their lives, and one of them is a young surf filmmaker named Hayden Garfield. Hayden has done some work for Stab. He's great. He has brilliant taste. We have a story on the site that links to his GoFundMe. So Hayden has health insurance, but with stuff like this, there are always additional costs. We made a donation on behalf of Stab. Like I said, he's done some great work for us. He is an incredible kid. Super sweet, super good at what he does. Uh, He is a really positive mindset right now, it seems. So Go check that out if you're in a position to donate. 
I really recommend you do that. And um, sorry, we're not going to do a podcast next week. It's Christmas. Yeah, we're taking the week off. Stab Surf of the Year is coming. True, true. Dropping. I think the first one may drop on Christmas Day. We're still finalizing those details. But yeah, that's going to take over the site through the holiday period. Every day we're going to drop the picks from five of your favorite surfers. They're going to pick their favorite male. Well, top five favorite male, top five favorite female. Uh, favorite male junior, favorite female junior, edit of the year, film of the year, and YouTube channel of the year. And of course, that edit of the year not only wins, you know, that stab surfer of the year uh, prize, but it also wins a Bitcoin, which is currently at 43,000 USD. So yeah, there's a little bit of money on the line at the end of the year here. Wow. Wow. You know, I also wish, I wish somebody put together like a, like a highlight reel of like the most like the best or the most interesting waves of 2023. Oh, we're doing that too. Like the most spectacular. Huh. Oh, spectacular. Yeah, the most spectacular waves of 2023. We're working on that as well. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. Hmm. Could you imagine? All right, Thursday this week or is everybody No. No surf sins. And you know what? I'm thinking, you know, we got, I feel like we scraped the bottom of the barrel this year. Of course, there are more surf sins out there, but people don't seem willing to share their truly worst, most regrettable moments in the surf. I'm thinking 2024, we bring a new segment to the podcast. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but you and I can chat and um, I want to get the audience engaged in a different manner. Wow. Rest in peace, surf sins, maybe. I think so. I think we're going to rest in peace, the surf sins. Or, or maybe that's a call out to to confess your worst sins if you've been just thinking true this is your last chance maybe we could just have one last go if you need to get it out of your system the final sin it could be the last go and i'll give you my dad's yep. surf line the first sin password. was eating the apple the final sin will be revealed in our first january episode wow well confess them now you have until you have until the end of the year to confess it you need to confess um, if we like them, I will give you my dad's surfline code. You cannot fuck with my favorites. Do not put some shitty wave up there. You that's the only condition. That's always been the condition. Don't mess with my favorites and you're in. So and you get a free stab subscription too. But uh you'll get my dad's surfline. Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop, our last of the year. And for those who stuck around, I'm going to give you a little insight. We have a 10% discount on Stab Premium running for the holidays. So if you find yourself uh, basically in the situation that I found myself in quite a few times where you just don't have enough time to get everyone in your life gifts, there's too much running around, there's too much work to be done before the holidays, guess what? We have Stab Premium 10% off that you can give to anyone in your life, friend or enemy. Uh, really whatever floats your boat. Just really confuse somebody that you don't like and they don't like you at all. Just give them a Stab Premium membership. See how it changes your relationship. You never know. Anyway, uh, you can do that. You can use code STABHOLIDAY23. That's all connected, no spaces. Um, and you can get 10% off. So go get it. Have a great holiday. And we will talk to you in the new year. Over and out.